Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Grant Rollins. I'm Frankie Preslav. And I'm Alex Ashkin. Thank you for joining us for a new edition of Indiana's only queer public affairs radio show. We currently, or we conveniently post to WFHB.org, so if you can't listen live, you can hear this and other episodes online via the WFHB website. Each and every week, we produce a show by and for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and ally communities. Our listeners can always count on us to cover the most pressing issues, interesting people, and latest events reflecting LGBTQ plus life in Indiana, the U.S., and across the world. Our featured stories focus around topics both at home and abroad. Tonight, we will discuss the recent development in the Trump administration's transgender military ban. Tonight, we'll be featuring selections from the Steve Martin, Edie Brickell album, Love Has Come to You. Steve Martin, along with his Three Amigos co-star, Martin Short, will be performing at the IU Auditorium this September. We will be taking a look at the new media, social media, video games, YouTube, and the like, which is why we are lucky to be joined by IU senior, new Blooming Out contributor, and former YouTube content (laughs) creator, Grant Rollins. (laughs) Woo. <laughs> Last Friday, the Pentagon made its recommendation regarding the status of some 1,200 to 2,000 and more transgender armed service members. Despite the tight-lipped nature of the announcement and the Pentagon's guidelines regarding policy advisement, some have already inferred the advice based on prior comments made by top Pentagon officials. So this was sort of a surprise to me. Uh, it, I believe it was announced last Friday or so. Um so this is sort of what the whole transgender military ban has been kind of working up towards. Uh, even before last July, when the Trump administration issued that tweet that sort of instructed the Department of Defense to look into a transgender military ban, uh, they already, I, I believe it was commissioned by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, had a study uh, going on regarding the efficacy of the Obama era, uh, executive order that uh, opened up the military to transgender troops. So this past Friday was sort of the quote unquote deadline of this study. Um, but as, as sort of told by Grant, you know, we haven't gotten quote unquote official word from the Pentagon what exactly the recommendation is. That being said, uh, it has already been confirmed that there was a transgender troop that had signed on to active duty uh, that Friday, Friday, February 23rd. So things are, in a certain way, looking up. Yeah, that's pretty exciting to, to, to hear that's coming on. I just kind of 
I'm waiting to see what uh, the old Donald will pull on this one, and hopefully uh, he's found other fights, and you know that he would prefer to put his energy in. Um, but it's you know good news for for a lot of people that at least you know we're we're moving along, and uh, people are having opportunities to join the military. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is, um, at least for all intents and purposes. Um, or at least I'm going to say my assumption is that the military will still continue funding medical procedures as well. Right. This, once again, hasn't been officially confirmed or denied. But that being said, assuming that everything sort of stays as it was, those, you know, as we said, 1,200 to about 2,000 transgender uh, service members have to look forward to, you know, at least some stability again. Uh, not that sense of like, oh, am I going to find out today that I'm out? I, I'm out of a job. I'm out of sort of my health care, my, my place where I live. If you're active duty, all this stuff. I mean, it's sort of crazy in my, uh, head that like people were living with that sort of, sense of anxiety and um, lack of clarity sort of as to, you know, will I have this job tomorrow? Right, right. Well, it's interesting, you know, you, you bring up the money side of it. Um, what I think that the, the military, you know, has a, what, a, for a $50 billion budget and people were kind of crying about the $2.4 million that it would, you know, cost uh, to uh, – um, support the um, transgender, um, you know, troops. Um, I mean, it was just a drop in, I mean, you know, a bucket as far as, you know, the, the, the cost to, to have them on. And that was something that Trump and, you know, the Republicans were trying to pull off and saying that it was costing the government so much money. Right. And they were also talking about surgeries. And I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the military wasn't paying for the actual surgery itself that was mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. left to the service member, but uh, the hormone therapy, things that they need in order to, you know, to function as, you know, as themselves, um, you know, and, and, you know, and you don't have to be transgender to get testosterone or estrogen as exactly. well. And there's a lot of military people um, and civil, civilian people as well that, you know, take testosterone and uh, estrogen and, you know, for, for, for lots of reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to kind of pick and choose on, on where, where that's going from. Yeah. And to me, the biggest thing right now is it's sort of after all these sort of Supreme Court and major federal court decisions and sort of the governmental institutions of the U.S. Uh, sort of getting through their first year of the Donald, quote-unquote. Right, right. Um, quack, quack. Um, we're, we're sort of at a point where I don't want to say there's normalcy because – No, it, don't it, say that. Yeah, no. exactly. No. We, we don't want to normalize this. This isn't normal. But at the same time, it's showing that there's greater resiliency in our government that – we're not just going to allow one powerful personality or one sort of ideologue to completely, you know, turn the system upside down 
and kind of whoever we're reliant on it, whether it be, you know, Social Security or Medicare or your transgender service member or straight cisgender service member, you know, things aren't going to be, you know, totally different, you know, two weeks later and you're sat there with, you know, kind of what you got in your life here in your hands wondering what do I do. So I, I think it's sort of a wonderful well i maybe not wonderful but it's a, a strong sign to say that you know things really do require that extra level of deliberation they need that discussion whether it is going to go through congress whether it's going to go through you know the government administrative branches like the dod or department of labor or whoever and also as we'll discuss a little later tonight uh it really looks like a lot of the courts are still sort of upholding what is close enough to the status right, quo. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, at least I, I wouldn't say things that we can pat ourselves on the back right. about, but, you know, it's showing that the fact that we have sort of been resisting, we have spoken up, we have been working to make sure that the most vulnerable people aren't getting sort of thrown under the bus really is. And this administration is good about, you know, doing things um, under the table where it's kind of surprise. So they they start issues on, a, you know, here on this corner and then they take they do other things when people aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's attention. And that's one thing I'm concerned about with this that I don't want to celebrate too much and breathe. Because you don't know what's happening behind. Right. That and- somebody's up to somebody and somebody's knocking on somebody's door. Um, and, you know, we might all be, you know, come tomorrow even surprised that, uh, Hey, you know, transgenders, um, you know, individuals are no longer accepted in the military, you know, but as well as what you were saying, you know, you, you don't hear a lot from the general. You hear actually the general supporting it, you know, having transgender gender um, individuals in the military. And, you know, there's really not nothing as far as concrete or why they shouldn't be there. Um yeah, I, I, and I kind of feel the same way. It's sort of interesting because I think in a certain sense there's a little bit of vague generalities when uh, the proponents of the ban sort of spoke about it. They, You know, as you said, there was the financial aspect, but a lot of people – Well, they figured of, that one out really quick. Yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> because of that report where it's like here's the number. Right. But I think a lot of people uh, use the argument of like combat readiness or whatever, you know, tactical unity or some other sort of military buzzword. Right, <laughs> you're doing of, pretty good. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it, that's always sort of the most curious thing to me because, um, you know, I the military has been, you know, sort of – a place for people of all walks of life to kind of come together and be a part of one big thing for what seems like, you know, at least 60 plus years. Um, I honestly cannot remember. As far as what? Well, well, like, uh, you know, being a service member and being in like an integrated unit, whether it is racially or like uh, gender integration. Um, Obviously, I don't believe women still – do not serve like active or like 
on the ground, quote unquote, like as an infantryman. I, I maybe I, I don't that know. Changed. And I, and honestly, those are certain things that I really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks! If you do have <laughs> we'll a, a military out. expert around. You can always come on WFHB and <laughs> talk, talk military policy with us. But that being said, you know, it, it, it's really interesting because – and I've actually spoken to some folks uh, over the past holiday where, you know, they kind of used this line of the military is not a place to have uh, social experiments, I think was the word that some people have used. Mm-hmm. And I think – a lot of times that's just sort of the in a sense almost a derogatory way of viewing it where it's like it you know we have no idea what's going to happen so let's just throw all these people together and see what happens but in reality i think it's more so proving the power of unity and sort of the fact that we as humans often well i guess the same thing when they finally allowed women in um and and yeah, active duty as far as you know that they found out that you know everybody th- thought they were going to be having sex and you know things were going to be happy. I mean, it was going to be like no one could focus because there were, you know we have a, right. a war going on and we have women there, so we're, we're, we can't fight. Or you know, one of the other arguments I remember um, that people were speaking about is you know having you know the males you know having a. Uh, an idea that they need to protect the females, soldiers as well, <laughs> and that would take away from you know their battlefield focus. their focus yeah, as well, and and lives would be lost that way. And I think what you know in military, it's a comrade, and when you're fighting, you're you know you're you, it doesn't matter you know color, sexuality, <laughs> and, and religion. Um, you know, they're, they're about you know they have something to to accomplish, um, and they want to come out alive. And, you know, if you're not working as a, a team, regardless of what your religious beliefs or, you know, your political beliefs are, you know, we have Republicans and Democrats fighting <laughs> on, the, on the same squad. <laughs> I mean, if they can do it. So, you know, it's just it's interesting how, you know, the, the boys and gals in Washington, you know, really kind of pick and choose, you know, what's what's going on as far as. You know what the battlefield might look like, and, well, especially and the, when a lot of them. I'm not saying a lot of them, but don't have experience in yeah the bat, on the battlefield. So how do they even know what? Right. Well, they, there's a lot of reports out there that says you know it's it's not an issue. You know, people can get along, and the military. You know, there are of course you know that you have pockets of things that have happened, mm-hmm. and that's usually because of the you know the the leadership there has uh, you know laxed and and allowed things to happen. But that happens in any situation in the workplace. If you don't have a strong leader, then you're gonna you know your employers aren't going to necessarily do a good job, and the same thing kind of happens if. You know, in the military, especially if you don't have leadership, um, you're going to have things that uh, people expect to, you know, happen where, you know, um, uh, you know, <laughs> people standing up for one another. Yeah. Or, and I mean, as you said, it, you know, we're more similar than we are dissimilar. And I think, you know, hopefully moving on from here, that'll be more of the case. We'll see more of that. So we actually had quite a news week this week, Frankie. So you want to tell us a little bit more about our second news story? 
Well, I would be happy to. (laughs) In addition to the recent Pentagon recommendations, we also have a major federal court ruling with regards to Donald Zarder. Um, I think I pronounced his name wrong, who was fired from his job as a skydiver instructor who was um, in the summer of 2010. Zardo was fired by his employer, Altitude Express, after a customer complained about an offhand comment made by Zarda as he and the customer were strapped in for a tandem skydiving session. So for anyone who may or may not have gone skydiving before, uh, the first umpteen times, I, I honestly have no idea how much time you need skydiving to be able to do it solo, but you got to be strapped in with an instructor, somebody who's certified and like... Yep you know, an expert in it. So uh, supposedly the story goes that uh, Mr. Zarda was being strapped in with a female customer and he says, you know, don't worry, I'm gay and I have an ex-husband to prove it. Uh, You know, goes about his day, they do the jump, yada, yada, yada. You know, he comes back the next day and they say, you know, you've been let go. The customer yesterday thought your comment was, you know, totally inappropriate, and we can't have you, you know, sort of doing that stuff. You you got to leave. Did she make it down alive? Yeah. Oh, she's <laughs> she's fine. Well, I would have been like, you know, <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> so the thing that was sort of interesting about this case, more than anything else probably, was the sheer fact that uh, the Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions led Justice Department actually argued or sent in uh, attorney or assistant attorney general Hashim M. Mopan to actually argue during oral arguments for the side of Altitude Express. Um, I, to my knowledge, this is pretty unusual especially with regards to uh, sort of non-Supreme Court cases. Uh, I don't believe there's too many times when, like, uh, a Justice will Department might actually send someone to, you know, add some comment to the case. Generally, when I've looked at things like this before, there's a thing called an amicus brief or a friend of the court brief mm-hmm. where, um, you know, if you're considered an area expert or, you know, working for the justice, the federal justice department, you could write something saying, you know, these are our thoughts on the issue. So there was that interesting moment. And what actually happened was uh, attorney or assistant attorney general Mopan argued that sexual orientation didn't fall within title seven of the 1964 civil rights act stating there is a common sense intuitive difference between sex and sexual orientation. That being said, the court rejected that logic. Uh, so what they, they said, you know, Mr. Zarda was improperly fired. It was a case of sexual discrimination. Uh, so what do you guys kind of take from this? What, what are your thoughts? And We'll kind of get into a little bit more of the meat in just a second. Well, I mean, as far as, you know, why they would even bring this case up, 
you know it's uh who they're trying to appease at this point which is sad and uh, you know let's refer to jeff sessions as mr magoo i think that's what uh, donald trump was calling him so for now on the show that's what we're going to call mr magoo um you know it's 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 just you know the the right wing christian base is mm-hmm. where they were you know kind of pulling on this one and you know shame on them for doing it and yay that uh it didn't work out um it's it's pretty exciting that you know and that's something that's always been kind of fearful um with you know being a, a gay man um you know employed somewhere that you know a person could let you go for just that so you know i, I they did us a big favor i guess in the end um by 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 bringing this up but uh, wh- what are you looking for as far as um you know what are your thoughts i guess Alex, so, as far as so cuz you are you're always back to like the 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 meat of the base frankie always gets off subject oh yeah so <laughs> so there's two really uh you know good little tidbits from the ruling that came from the second circuit court judges and it was basically on the discussion of what what does sex mean with regards to title 7 because, you know, it, it's just that, just as sex. <laughs> and so the first quote is, because one cannot fully define a person's sexual orientation without identifying his or her sex, sexual orientation is a function of sex. So in a certain sense, what they're saying is sexual orientation and sex kind of are inseparable to a certain degree. One always will sort of follow the other. You know, if you're a guy and you like other guys, that makes you gay. You know, okay. Well, you know, it, it, it's totally different if you like guys and you're a girl. So all of a sudden, your sex literally defines, in a certain sense, your sexual orientation. Um, ad- additionally, they said, indeed, sexual orientation is doubly delineated by sex because it is a function both of the person's sex and the sex of those whom he or she is attracted to. So, you know, these are federal judges. You know, they, they aren't necessarily your uh, Supreme Court justices. They aren't going to be, quote, unquote, the final word on the issue. And I've already seen multiple people believing that this will, you know, make its way up to the Supreme Court at some point. But what do you sort of take away from those comments? And do you think that this is, you know, a sign that people are kind of codifying sexual orientation as part and parcel of that? Mainstream. Yeah, yeah, as part of that Civil Rights Act of 1964. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, we've been screaming about for a long time is like it, it should be included and people it goes back to this you know kind of where the core of the you know the far right is saying it's a choice you know being black isn't a choice and so it shouldn't be meshed together um you know you can decide to you know like boys or not which obviously we don't agree with that um so you know it, it like i said it's you know for, for finally them to to come out, the courts to come out and say, you know, it is, you know, it, it gives voice and it's, you know, basically confirms everything that at least at this point of what, you know, a lot of the GBLTQ plus <laughs> people have been, you know, yelling about Fighting on that. It. So, you know. 
Yeah, Gray, I'm a little curious from your standpoint, just because you're a little bit younger than either of <laughs> us. A wee uh, tiny bit. A little. Yeah, so like, have you ever sort of had those concerns, especially once you sort of came out that, you know, oh, I need to be sort of mindful of, you know, who I'm talking to or what I say or if I'm at a job. Are you talking about a job situation? Yeah, because, I mean, speaking from my own experience, I've, you know, whether it's good or not, never been in that situation. You know, as a white cisgendered male, I kind of win the quote-unquote, like, society lottery and get to be sort of that, like, average that everyone thinks of right and the average white guy yeah and (laughs) that's always an interesting thing because you don't necessarily get the perspective of somebody who might be sort of vulnerable due to a certain circumstance whether it's you know mental health or uh, sexuality or you know, poverty or who knows what. And so I, I'm just sort of, in a certain sense, curious, you know, ha- has this sort of changed any of your outlook a little bit? Um, I personally haven't really been that worried going into jobs um, post coming out or even in being in the closet, uh, worried about being fired or let go of because of my job or because of my <laughs> <laughs> sexual orientation. Unemployment. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I have had a recent conversation with a friend where like I've realized this trend of maybe parents um, worrying about us as their kids like be be mindful of your Instagram be mindful of what you say because you know they could fire you because of that but then to that we argue like well then why would we even want to work there in the first place Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I've definitely had some interesting discussions but I personally haven't felt too like not vilified but scared I guess because the places I've worked for, too, have been places that generally are accepting of gay people or their corporations that are pro-LGBTQ+. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of a big thing for me. And I feel like maybe also <laughs> uh, this would be a great time. Unfortunately, we don't have Rachel sort of speaking from, you know, hill country over in brown county (laughs) to sort of give a slightly different perspective on it because i think we're all a little bit lucky you know being in bloomington and being in a place that is so incredibly diverse and you know open and inclusive that you know to think that a company in Bloomington might do something like that would be well, like really out know, there. Just on a personal note, I mean, this was some years ago, probably about 13, 14 years ago, when um, my husband and myself were um, moving into Bloomington. We we, lived, we had a place out in the, the county, and we decided to move in, and we were going to actually rent. Um, we owned a home, but we were going to rent just to figure out where we wanted to, to be in, in the city. And we found a place that we really liked, and there was potential that we could actually buy it um, if, if you know, things had worked out and it was a, a location that we wanted to stay at. And um, when uh, Kelly went in to, to look at the property, um, they liked him. He told him about, the, the, you know, the kids we had, and, you know, and, and it was an older couple. And it was a fairly nice neighborhood. And um, and they were would have been actually the neighbor our neighbors and we ended up um, showing up after I had this long conversation with Kelly at their house at the the rental place and um, 
they couldn't get their head wrapped around who I was and what was going on. They thought it was like a, a babysitting club or something. <laughs> and we tried to explain to them who we were. We went in the house. I liked it. And I said, let's do it. And um, it ended up they decided the house wasn't available. Yeah. And <coughs> that, excuse me. I feel like the, this is why these – Well, where I was going with that oh, okay. is that – Bloomington have we have you know, ordinances that um, basically protected us in the mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. if we wanted to, but it was we had to prove and we had to go, you know, open a lot of uh, you know we, we just had to uh, scabs because it was it was pretty hurtful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the end, we decided not to fight it um, because we had you know eight children and you know four of them were in diapers at the time, and we just had a lot of important things to do. Not that that wasn't important, but we needed to get a house right <laughs> um so we ended up you know you know the nice side to that we ended up in a great neighborhood and bought a home and you know love it there, but it just you know that was the only time in Bloomington. And the city was awesome, I have to say. You know, the the city attorney was, you know, right there and supportive of us. But that was the only time and one of the only times, I would say, within this community that I just felt like, you know, uh, just, you know, I, that some pointed at you and said you're gay and you're unwelcomed or you can't you're live not here. Like me, so therefore yeah. you're and, and it was more offensive and hurtful because it wasn't just me, but it was my children. It was my right. family. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just that I was, you know, angry that somebody was pointing something out about my, me um, or myself. They were, you know, it affected my children. Mm-hmm. And that's what was enraging. But what I had to understand, too, at that point, I had to, like, pick my mountain. And, you know, that was at the time not the mountain, but, you know, to have something established where hopefully it will, you know, housing will be represented in that in some way that, you know, a person can't get kicked out. Because you can get kicked out of your house mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. you're um, gay or lesbian, transgender or whatever. So um, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a scary it, – it's, it's something that's always on your back mm-hmm, that you, you do think about. And I think, you know, being younger and, you know, you kind of – We've discussed this before, Grant, that you, you know, you're, you're living in a community or a time where you didn't fight. It's already been done for you. Right, right. And you get here and you arrive and, you know, it's like, what are these old timers talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Trump shows up <laughs> and kind of yeah. shakes everybody to the core that we've thought we've made so much momentum. And then it's like, yeah, all of that can be taken away just in, in, in a second from a signature. For sure. Um, excuse us as we put the discussion on hold, our weekly events. This week in Bloomington, we have several events. Um, the Youth Art Month reception is this Friday, March 2nd, from 5 to 8 p.m. at the Fountain Square Mall Atrium. This is the opening reception for Youth Art Month. The exhibit will be open from March 2nd to March 30th, featuring art from Indiana school children from kindergarten to the 6th grade. Come to the back door on Saturday, March 3rd, starting at 11 p.m. for Envy's Funhouse, a circus showcase with burlesque drag kings, several house favorites, and a few newcomers. For more details, check out bckdoor.com backslash calendar. For more details. And catch Greg Warren at the Comedy Attic starting tonight, March 1st at 8 p.m. With follow-up shows at 8 and 10.30 this Friday and Saturday. 
Check out comedyattic.com backslash events for tickets and information. Thrown off the bridge to the river by the rich was the Iron Mountain, baby. A man walking by said he heard a little cry and he found him in a suitcase. Fifty feet down from the train to the ground, it's a miracle that he survived. What are the chances that a man will be standing there and take him home to his wife? Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane, be a mama to the boy from the train. Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane, be a mama to the boy from the train. Five days old with a hand that could hold and a grip around your finger. Oh, Sarah Jane. She never did complain cause she loved a little stranger She brought him back to health and she kept him for herself When some women tried to claim him If you'd be a good mama then you never would have wanna go and throw him off the train yeah. Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Be a mama to the boy from the train Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Be a mama to the boy from the train Welcome back to Blooming Out. We were just listening to Sarah Jane and the Iron Mountain Baby by Steve Martin and Edie Bucrell from the album Love Comes to You. Tonight we'll be discussing new media, things like social media, your Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat and all that good stuff, YouTube, video games and all this new Snapchat. Uh, all these new things that you know you can find on the internet and on your phone so one we're really glad that grant's here with us because he's sort of our social media guru 
pop uh, culture. Yeah, he he he's our guide to I try, I try. to this world. That there's a lot of like interesting things that have been going on recently, and I mean from things as simple to like new movie releases um despite it not being an lgbtq themed movie uh a lot of people are pointing towards movies like black panther as being a huge sign of sort of progressiveness in uh movies you see people uh out on youtube uh discussing new things and uh all over the place like twitter has just you know is now apparently the main form of communication for our society. So there's been all this evolution over the past few years with, you know, how we interact with each other as a society and sort of where does that put the LGBTQ community and how has it helped and hurt the community in a sense? Because there's so many different aspects to sort of media and online stuff these days. Well, I think it'd be kind of interesting just to start on the dating side of it because of all the apps that are out now and a couple in particular, um, more with uh, the boys, <laughs> um, and that would be Scruff and Grinder, um, where a lot of people use for sometimes hookups and, and, and actually people meet each other from there. Um, and uh, when I was in uh, oh, New York, I was talking to some folks out there, and a lot of the gay bars are kind of disappearing. And one of the mm. reasons that they were given for that is that people aren't going to bars anymore to meet people face-to-face. They're finding them on apps, you know, mm. for, for one reason or another. And I think that's a, a – obviously, that's an immediate and a big change that's going on within – and it's not, I don't the, – just the gay community, you know. the They, they have – what is that? The, the other uh, – Tinder. Tinder, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, I'll point yeah. to our, our heterosexual here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that thing called? <laughs> yeah. That Tinder thing? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's, you know, that alone, you know, it's interesting that you can just kind of, you know, and, and again, I haven't read, a, I actually have read some that, 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 that is an argument of, of saying that, you know, what, what's going on. And, and what do you think, Mr. Grant, you know, as far as with your age and population of, people <laughs> <laughs> what do i think of just like what it's done what what do i think as far as what it's done within for you no for me yeah for <laughs> me, uh, the community um i mean it's definitely made it a lot easier to connect with people who share the same sexual but how about the, the side as far as like you know the bars they're just going out and you know you're going out to meet someone but you're usually running with your your crowd and so you're showing up with your friends and that's not necessarily in um you know, the the initiative that people are going to meet other people. You have your friends with you, and they'll take out their phones and then meet the other people maybe at the bar. You know, they're like 10 feet away or whatever. Or, True. you know, so do you, you know, before back in the old days <laughs> <laughs> when um, we had Bullwinkles um, here in town, mm-hmm. you would go and you would meet live human beings. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Things change. And But as far as the new culture, the culture of just kind of the, the new generation, you're a Y, right? You wouldn't be in the Z. You're too old to be a Z. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like you were saying, like I tend to go out with just like a group of friends and we meet at the bar and some of us, I feel like usually my friends get on to me because they're like, you know, this is like a gay bar. You should like be meeting gay people. But instead, <laughs> I'm just like dancing and twirling and I'm just like – Lots kinda, of dancing and twirling. Lots of dancing and twirling <laughs> and just talking to my friends. But I would say – I would say people still use the gay bar or just gay clubs to 
go out and meet people to be friends or hookups or whatever it is. Um, I don't, of course, know what it was like to live 110 years <laughs> ago. <laughs> I rode my dinosaur uh, to the gay bar. <laughs> right. Um, but like up in Indy, the huge club that was there, right. they, I saw an article written about that too, or they're disappearing. And I can see why because there, there are, I mean, there's a good amount of gay people I know personally that don't like to go to the bars. So, of course, it's perfect for them to have to go and just meet someone on right. an app. Or, you but know, do you think it's a good or a bad thing that, you know, the bars are closing down? I think um, it's both because it also creates – since everyone's able to just look up anyone's name and find everyone, I think it also creates like a lot of drama and like as far as – I don't know if this is – connected but like reputations and mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. it's easier to find out a lot of find out about people where back in the day when you went to the gay bar and you didn't know anyone because you didn't have a phone in your hand 24 7 you were introduced to people and got to know people from like a fresh clean slate um so yeah i think there's like definitely some turmoil there yeah that's interesting i didn't think about that part of it is that yeah when you meet you know someone one-on-one -on -one <laughs> and you don't have your phone you know with you and you can't look up google them or whatever yeah. you're doing um that you're going to meet them for who they are and you might like them mm -hmm. and then you find out i don't know at night they go home and dye their hair purple who knows so it's you know that that's interesting yeah you know? and it's definitely common too at least in my friend group to like be talking about someone and then if someone doesn't know it's like two seconds and you pull up and you're like oh here's a picture here's this about them i know this about them their job blah blah right. you know and they just go on a rant and i'm like well i know all these things about them but do i really right yeah yeah, you know, I, I think there's some people who could really kind of like get a job as a f like official Facebook <laughs> PI stalker yeah, sort of thing. Because oh, yeah. like uh, m me and my sister, whenever we get together, she's 30 out in Chicago and she does the exact same thing. You know, like as soon as she's like back from the club, she's like, oh, I got this guy's number. I'm going to learn everything about yeah. him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it's. Yeah, and I think that sometimes you, you know, I think you might lose out. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the conversation that could happen that, you know, what's out there that happened 10 years ago, five years ago, or, you know, who the group, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's kind of artificial in some ways, or in a lot of ways, because oh, you is. create, I mean, your Instagram, you're going to show happy, good looking mm -hmm. people and good looking food and all that. You're not showing like, I'm at McDonald's today and look <laughs> right. at my French fries. Or like, I woke yeah. up really sad. Like, you know, people don't want to. Well, sometimes people love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Hashtag I've also noticed the trend. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I've also noticed a trend. Um, do you, you have Instagram? You have of Instagram. course I have Instagram. Are you back on the Instagram? <laughs> yeah. Oh, very, I didn't even know you were slightly, off. Very slightly. Very slightly. I see a lot of people who put where they're from in their bio, but they list like three or four or five cities. And I'm like, do you actually have a house in each of these cities? Are you working in each right. cities? Which also comes to a status thing, which is another topic in the gay community and with social media of just like looking like you're super busy, super busy and you have everything mm, together right. and you have this glamorous life. Well, and, and it's funny because, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I love Instagram. <laughs> you do. Um, yes. <laughs> Frankie loves Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Two gays plus eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I <laughs> was like, kind of in a conversation with a, um, a relative and it was like, you know, your life, you, you showed your perfect life with your perfect kids and your perfect. And I'm like, no kidding. <laughs> of course I'm showing all the prettiness Happy, in yeah. my life. I'm not, you know, this is Instagram. This okay. Is diary, right. Yeah. This is where IQ comes in. And it's important to understand <laughs> that, yes, Frankie has drama in his life as well. But I'm not going to put that out. I'm going to put happy stuff and pretty places and attractive food. 
<laughs> I'm not going to put out, you know, I stopped at White Castles and had whatever. Right. That's not, you know, that's not part of my pretty world. <laughs> and when we, it's, what's funny is that we all know that too. I feel like we know when we're looking at other people's Instagrams that their lives aren't perfect because our lives aren't perfect and we just choose to post what we want. Yet I feel like at least me, like subconsciously, I'm still thinking like, wow, they look like they're perfect. But right. it's just – I don't know. Well, uh, and I get a lot of um, it's you know because uh, I'm about uh, you know uh, gay dads and you know adoptions and all that. So I have a. I'm about gay dads too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no. So it's you know so I get a lot of um, people that reach out to me. And, you know, from all over the world, actually. And it always starts out that your family's so perfect. And then I always feel like I have to write a little, you know, disclosure there saying, no, we're just as wacky as the next. And, you know, this is, you know, what it is. I mean, we were, we, we try to do our best, mm -hmm. but it's, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of pockets to my life as well. So, yeah, people look at things and even though we know better, we assume and then we make our lives, you know, we're depressed because we're not in Bermuda or whatever else. And you don't know how that person got to Bermuda. You don't even right. know if really in Bermuda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's sort of interesting because I, at the end of the day, I kind of like the word curating. And curating? Curating. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like a museum or something. Okay, uh, okay. It, it's like they, they're they making a choice because there's probably a lot more pieces of the collection, you know. Right. You know, way back in the closet or in the basement or wherever, you know, like, ooh, uh, don't know if I'm going to share this picture. <laughs> right, and of course so, not. And so the question really becomes like, how does that really impact people? Because, I mean, that was part of the reason why I, I got off of social media. Because you... Well, well one, uh, sometimes the frustration of it. Like, uh, you know, part of the reason why I got off was all the political sort of strife that seemed to always, like, every time I opened my news feed, it was like people were just arguing. Right. But beyond that, it's like, as you guys were saying, you know, people on these glamorous trips going to great clubs, showing this amazing food, and it's just like, like, yeah, I realize they're not talking about their bad days, but at the same time, I'm just like, I can't help be a little envious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think it, it feeds into kind of like the body image issues. If you look at oh, like yeah. a lot of the, you know, some of the, 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 you know, other gay individuals out there, the men <laughs> that are setting thirst traps. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it is, and it's just all muscle and they show and, you know, they got 65,000 followers and this and that and they're in their speedos and they're all beautiful people. And you start, you know, and, and if you go on Instagram, you could just pick and look at beautiful people all day long and you know as a young gay person or even an old gay person um you start thinking is like wow you know i'm 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 the odd guy out mm -hmm. when that's not the norm but you start believing it's i guess it's kind of what trump's been doing and <laughs> the gays already figured it out <laughs> um but it's true it's like you know we're looking for validation right which is what we do before we come out post come out i feel like we're always trying to please someone or make everyone like us so when we are seeing these people that are in speedos and beautiful we see their numbers and we you know are taking that into consideration and like oh they are really liked and people really like to comment and give them right. attention so they do you think that kind of right. stops people from going out to the bars now that they're looking at all these pretty people on <laughs> instagram and i think well i'm not gonna you know see the bars and i think there's definitely some sure. intimidation mm -hmm. going to the bars so right. oh yeah i mean it's like instagram in real life <laughs> <laughs> well, right. well that's the thing it's we like every everyone wants that like you know that perfect 15 second 
clip or that perfect picture because it's like Ooh, editing, th- th- this, editing. Yeah, th- <laughs> this is this is going to get a lot of likes. This is going to get a lot of views. But we're going to actually have to put a pin in this for a second, and we're going to actually play another track from Steve Martin and Edie Brickell. This one is called "Who You Gonna Take." Off the album Love Comes to You. Who you gonna take to the dance? Who you gonna take if you don't take me? Who you gonna take to the dance? Who you gonna take? Who you gonna get to hold hands? Who you gonna get if you don't get me? Who you gonna get to hold hands? listening to Who You Gonna Take by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell. So, returning to our discussion, I, I think we've hit on some really great topics in terms of social media. And just over the music break, we kind of had this realization to a degree. The, the idea that, you know, social media, not only do you sort of curate what you're putting out there, but you're also making a very active decision about what you're consuming. Uh, and so one of those things is I've realized personally that a lot of times I kind of have not necessarily a narrow worldview, but social media has sort of created this own custom tailored experience for me that really doesn't show sort of the 
complexity and all the different aspects of, you know, life in America or life in Indiana or hell, life in Bloomington. Um, you know, that's like one of those interesting things that it's really curious, you know, like what's going on here and how, how has this sort of made uh, experiencing life a little different in a way? Well, I think what happens, and, and, and again, it's kind of sometimes the old folks talk and, you know, um, that just it really experiencing life of just kind of getting to the meat of it of just – I mean I find myself on that, you know, like, oh, I got to catch a picture of this because, you know, that's what you do. Um, and uh, capturing everything. So sometimes you miss – you get these segments of it, but you miss sometimes the big picture. And that's what Instagram and all social media is it misses the big picture of so much more because what we like do is enjoying the moment yeah enjoying yeah. the moment or seeing the broadness of what's out mm-hmm. there of course it, it exposes people to things that they might not be exposed to I mean I think all of us have probably met people and you know uh, you know through through social media um, from one point or another so that's obviously something you know to to have to be able to, to meet somebody in Pakistan and and immediately start a conversation with them and and share stuff about yourself and you know before that that didn't happen mm-hmm. um so yes there's amazing things about that but i think in just the reality of of our world of just walking down the street and just noticing you know a crack in the sidewalk or you know a conversation someone's having everybody's just kind of locked in loaded and not experiencing as much and right or wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that that's, you know, that's kind of what our world's turned into. And, you know, who am I to say that that's, you know, shouldn't happen, but it is, it's just snapshots of, of kind of everything. And, and, and what happens is what you were talking about is that people get envious of stuff that isn't necessarily that you should be envious about because if you stop and think, <laughs> you know that this is a, a human and, and they have all kinds of emotions. I mean, of course, you, then you have the person on there that we all love to follow, that they always have drama going on and they put <laughs> everything on it. And it's like, you know, there's a couple of individuals that I follow just for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone enjoys a good train ride right. once so, in a while. Well, everything's everything's po- like, you know, everything's posed you're po- po- or posing for everything. Or even if you do a candid, people will be like, candid? Like, they'll say that before a photo. So they just, like, look at each other like, <laughs> like, they just stand there laughing. But I like, do real like, candid. Yeah, no, real yeah. candid is where it's at. But. Yeah. Surprise someone. Photo ambush. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but with, like, photography and the classes I've taken and stuff, we've talked about how obviously with the photography everyone knows this but you're capturing like a moment like a split second and i forget who the photographer is but a famous photographer took a picture of marilyn monroe and it's a really famous picture of her because it was just as he said like we're done or whatever like you're posing or whatever and then she's like relaxed just seeing her just, outside the bubble yeah just seeing her outside of like you know the persona she had or and i think that kind of relates in a way to instagram we all have like a persona or some of us do where we're showing exactly again what we want people to right. see and the kind of vibe we are and right and that's something i personally try to do is that i i love a story so my instagram my photography that i do cuz i do have a, a side you know i do love photography is that i don't want to do a post i usually want to do like captioning even my 
pictures that I have or that are posed are captured. So, you know, but and it's interesting because I look at other people's, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and, and, and you can get a, if you study it, you know, and look at it, you, you find out a lot about that person. Mm-hmm. So, thing that they're, you know, that, you know, I think a lot of insight yeah. as far as where they are. What is a difference I've noticed between like, following Frankie on Instagram <laughs> and following some people that are more my age. No shade. Is that a lot of us, we also, besides the photo, we're like mm-hmm. having to think of how, how can our caption be funny or quirky yeah. or like this like five word yeah. thing where Frankie's like, this is my son like getting ready for hockey. His game went like this and the ride home this happened, which is like how I kind of think of going through photo albums where it's like, oh, on the back is the date and, like, the memory and, like, what happened, where I think like that's really grandma's key. house? Yeah, I know. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or you're, like, talking to a family member right. and they're, like, asking, like, oh, what did you do this weekend right. or yeah, something? And, and yeah. It, yeah, it's funny because then you kind of get locked into that, and I think we all have found that, that um, people have expectations then, mm. you know, and it's funny yeah. how many people, and you probably get this, Grant, a lot, is, like, that when you don't post something or you, you're not on there, you'll see people in real time and they'll like, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? Yeah. Or, you know, or like, they know. You haven't posted in a couple right. weeks. Like, why aren't you posting? You <laughs> yeah, should post. What's <laughs> wrong? Are you okay? We need medication. <laughs> <laughs> or when you, um, you know, or people don't like, right? And, and it's funny because then people will come up and they know all about my life because, of course, Frankie puts it out there. And I'm like, you know, but they are, you know, they're behind the scenes. They're not liking it. They're not whatever. But how, you know, how many people kind of, and I don't want to say creepers because I think we all do that and I hate that term for, <laughs> for, for but, but I think it's, you know, just interesting that, you know, you just run into a stranger and people recognize you and it's like, oh, you're so and so. Um, and, and know so much about you. And that's something back in the day, you know, which wasn't so long ago mm-hmm. that you, you kind of had that persona that you could be. Yeah. Yeah. There is a little bit more anonymity in the world. Right. <laughs> and you can choose not to be on, and, and as you. Yeah. No. You were saying about the, you're saying you were taking a break. Yeah. Was that also because do you like having more of a private life? Like, does the thought of someone meeting you and kind of knowing a lot about you, like, is that weird? Because I think to all of us, it kind of is weird. Like, we don't think about it. Like, oh, they could have probably went through my Instagram and seen <laughs> mm-hmm. me for the last five years, you know? Yeah. Um, a little bit, personally. I mean, I, I've gone through a few, like, kind of, quote-unquote, like, dorky phases or something else <laughs> where it's like, geez, that is not a great photo. <laughs> Okay, but like beyond that, I mean, the bigger thing for me is that I got too like caught up in it, and it just like when I would see things and like my friends would get into arguments and there'd be drama. Like even if I wasn't a part of it or even participating in it, it just like kind of got me worked up. The other thing for me is that yeah, I am a little weirded out by that stuff. The sense that it's like, yeah, your private life is gone. What Whatever's on there is out to the world because there are not very many Alex Ashkins in the world. <laughs> no. I, I, I can safely say I know of two in the U.S. and the other one is my cousin. Right. So <laughs> We'll try a Frankie Press laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, you, you know. So as far as like, um, you know, we got, we, we've talked a lot about Instagram and, and the Twitter. <laughs> the Twitter. <laughs> that one I haven't really embraced. I'm starting to now pay more attention to it. I just haven't figured out how to work it in my life, but I've, I've learned 
learned a lot from just recently. Honestly, recently I decided to kind of fall down, you know, and kind of take a look at it. So, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of time at this, at, at, at this point, but, uh, it's something I'd really love to revisit. Continue, yeah. Yeah. yeah we only got, we only got the Instagram. We got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a few more to go, folks. So you'll probably be hearing a little bit more about this in the future. But before we go, let's take a moment to thank you, our wonderful listeners, and all the volunteers who make Blooming Out and WFHB possible. Blooming Out is produced by Alex Ashkin. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Jesse Grubb is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Grant Rollins. I'm Alex Ashkin. And I'm Frankie Presleff. Tune in next week for a brand new Blooming Out every Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. on WFHB Volunteer Powered Community Radio.